0: Change the words to make the wrong seem bright. right. Oh, 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 sands keep falling. Oh, 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 the master's calling. Oh, 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 your lamps are running dry. Oh, oh, oh sands keep falling. Now, welcome to Like Flint Radio. I'm your host, GK. Um, you can find all our previous episodes from Like Flint Radio at www.likeflintradio.com. Um, in this episode, Cliff and I are talking to former Black Oak Arkansas guitarist Harvey Jett. Now, at the peak of his musical career, God called Harvey out of the band and led his life down a very different path than he at first seemed destined for. Please be um, a little bit forgiving my way for this episode, um Uh, We were recording right up until almost 4 a.m. Brisbane time, so I I, I might be a bit sleepy in this one. But anyway, I think you're going to enjoy this one, so let's go now to our discussion with Harvey Jett. Well, welcome to Like Flint Radio. I'm your host, GK, and I'm a very tired GK. Uh, I'm in the early hours of the a.m., but uh, very keen to talk to our guest. Um, I got Cliff Garner with me and I'm going to ask Cliff to take over on this interview as he knows a fair bit more about this topic than I do. But with us on this episode, we have Harvey Jett. Now, Harvey is a former member of the Black uh, of the band Black Oak Arkansas. And um, uh, we're going to be getting into some that side of things that Harvey did while he was in that band, uh, why he left the band, what he did afterwards. Uh, so I think you're going to find this really interesting um, but before we get into any of that, let me first welcome to Like Flint Radio for the first time, Harvey Jett. Uh, greetings, Harvey. Welcome to Like Flint Radio.
1: Yes, thank you very much. Excited about doing this.
0: Well, thanks for coming on board. Um, listen, I just want to ask you a broad question to kick off with, Harvey, if you don't mind. Um, just in general, um, if you wouldn't mind, and don't get too specific because uh, Cliff's got some specific questions, but just in general, give people a bit of a background. Maybe they don't haven't heard of you before. Who you are and uh, and 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 what you're basically about, and then we'll we'll take it from there if you don't mind. So
1: okay, well, uh, I was 17 when I got into the band, and uh, they weren't called Black Oak at the time. They were called Nobody Else. spent with a K. And uh, I had heard of these guys, and they were pretty wild back then. They had shoulder-length hair even before the Beatles came out. And uh, I got a, I got a chance to see them. I, I was living in Marion, Arkansas, so it was like ten miles from Memphis. And I heard they were doing a concert in Memphis, and so uh, I went to see them. And I was really impressed with them. Uh, they were they were different. Um, they wore outfits that were just kind of strange for that era and but it was something different and they were they had a really good sound they were doing a lot of cover tunes they wasn't doing a lot of original material a lot of cover tunes like uh, Beatles Bob Dylan The Birds Uh, they had a 12 string player so they were really doing some really good bird songs and a friend of mine went for an audition and wanted me to go with him and they were looking for a guitar player actually a rhythm player and a keyboard. And so I went with my friend and on the way back, he says, I don't think I'm going to do it. He said, but I think they're really going to be big. And he said, why don't you try out? I said, well, they didn't ask me. He said, well, they don't know anything about you, but he said, you're, you're going to taught me how to play guitar. He said, so I'll take care of that. And so he did. And they called me the next night and I went to the audition and I was accepted. And, uh, so we left Arkansas, went to New Orleans, and stayed a year there, played on Bourbon Street for a year, became the number one rock band in New Orleans, and then we went to California. And from there, we uh, got signed with Atlantic Records and did a 50-city tour with the opening band for the Iron Butterfly. They were actually doing a farewell tour. This was their last tour. Their music style was changing also. Uh This was in 1971, and so when we came out with uh, the Southern rock, country rock sound, uh, it went over very well, and uh, so the next tour was our tour. We had groups opening for us, like Bruce Springsteen, Kiss. Uh, We had comedians like Cheech and Chong, Steve Martin, and uh, we were one of the first bands to use comedians as an opening act. And from there, we toured about three years straight, nonstop. And I left the band in '74, and that's kind of basically who I am.
2: Going back to the original band, uh, who was in that band
1: when you joined? When I joined, uh, they had mm-hmm. a, another uh, uh, they had another lead guitar player. They didn't actually really know I could play lead, but I, I auditioned to play rhythm and keyboard, and, uh, they had a lead guitar player, J.R. Brewer, uh, they had a drummer called Keith McCann, and, uh, all the other guys that they had was Jim Dandy, Pat Darty, Stanley Knight, which were later on in the band. The only two guys that left the band early, actually in New Orleans before we went to California, it was J.R. Brewer, the lead guitar player, and the drummer, Keith McCann. And, um, Then one day they heard me play lead guitar, and they decided that I played lead guitar better than rhythm. And so from that point on, uh, after we went to California, I was the lead guitar player. Well, I remember when we
2: saw you play lead guitar that first time I caught Black Oak. It just blew us all away. (laughs) Just just, wow. But yeah, yeah, you also played keyboards, too. I I forgot that. Uh, What, piano, organ? uh, Did you play synthesizer? Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he also sang. He, he sang too. Uh, sang
1: yeah, back yeah, I did too. Yeah, now, now uh,
2: the, there was a different singer in the our, original band, though, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah, no? yeah. And on the uh, on the first album, uh, I wrote the song "Heels of Arkansas," and Jim Dandy and I uh, did the vocals on that. Uh, but most of the lead vocals were from Jim Dandy. And we mm-hmm. we uh, we had three gold yeah. we had three gold albums with Atlantic had three gold albums before we ever got a hit a radio hit because our our sound was not commercial you might say right um, right
2: Dandy I mean, <clears throat> Dandy is really different
1: yeah uh, a lot of people compared him to Captain Beefheart that sort of thing I mean he was a great stage uh, rock and roll stage performer and and singer. But for the radio at that time, it was more like Three Dog Night and, you know, the sweet sound. More melodic. Yeah. But Atlantic Records played us with Tom Dowd. He was the best producer in Atlantic. He produced Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Led Zeppelin, and Leonard Skinner. And so he was our producer. <clears throat> I remember one day in the studio in Miami at Criteria Studios in Miami. He was sitting there smoking his pipe, and he says, "Uh, you guys ever heard of a song called Jim Dandy to the Rescue? And our lead singer, Jim Dandy, that's what we called him, because his dad gave him that name because he liked the song. So Jim Dandy says, yeah, that's my dad's favorite song. And Tom says, well, you guys go out there and and jam on that song a little bit and see what you can do with it and put some Southern rock to it. And he said, Harvey, you play slide guitar. I said, okay. So we went out there and we jazzed it up a little bit and rocked out and it became our radio hit. That was our first uh, radio hit. I think it got in the top 10 or 20. And so that was that was our first gold record as a uh, single on the radio. A lot of times right. people, uh, when I'm talking to them about Black ops, they'll say, well, I can't remember Black Oaks. And then I'll say, well, Jim Danny to the rescue they, like, Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: that, well that 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 yeah, knocked right. me upside the head too. And I was already a fan. <laughs> yeah. And and was yeah. with Ruby Star singing. And uh, uh yes, she it, was. yeah, she
1: was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah was, she she was,
2: uh, she was, she was nice not to actually,
1: too <laughs> Yeah. But, she was not actually she was not actually part of a band. She was in another band that opened for us and oh. uh, in her hometown and we saw her talent and we pulled her out of the band, which her band didn't appreciate that. But <laughs> right, <laughs> and, uh, It was we, Great uh,
2: Ghost, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, we put another we put another band with her, and uh, they called it Great Ghost, but it never really oh, okay. took off. Mm-hmm. It never really did much. But uh, Ruby, uh, she passed in uh, nineteen ninety-five, I believe and uh, yeah, but she yeah, yeah, she was a great performer yeah she was a great performer oh yeah and, she was
2: uh,
1: talking uh, about it. yeah but back to Tom <laughs> Dowd he, it was funny because Tom Dowd was the engineer on that same song Jim Davis, to the Rescued he was the engineer 20 years earlier and he recorded it oh with, really? uh, Le, yeah he was recorded with Laverne Baker she was inducted in oh, wow. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah she got into uh-huh. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from that song. Wow! And it was, was kind of <laughs> funny that crazy. twenty twenty years later, he was the producer on the song, and it made a hit again. I think that's only two times it's been a hit. It was LeVert mm-hmm. Baker in the document in Black Oak. Yeah, I
2: I really haven't heard anybody do it since, really. But yeah. that that was great. That that high, that whole High on the Hog album was uh, just just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was that, that was the first studio album I thought that you guys that did that uh, was up to you know the level of a of a uh, ranch and roll, which uh, I think yeah. is just one of the best live albums ever. Uh, you yeah. guys, you guys were definitely a, a live band. Yeah, it, it was amazing <clears throat> to watch you guys play.
1: Yeah, we recorded that on uh, two different nights in uh, Portland and Seattle, uh, Oregon. And they had the truck the remote truck outside, and uh back then they had to run the wires into this through the door and um it was uh it was one of our best live albums it was a, really a good album
2: oh it was that was the first one I got was ro and roll and it, it that knocked my socks off that that it was getting kind of cocky, and it's just the way it came in. I always thought that was one of the best <laughs> opening songs. It, yeah. it, well, it comes in kind of subtle, you know, and then and, and it kind of yeah. almost like a question mark, and then it hits. Yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah Jim. It, it Jim really and I does. wrote
1: that Yeah, I wrote That's the music. To Jim, Jim wrote the lyrics, and I wrote the music to that song.
2: Yeah, no, I, I always liked that one. I, I, I still listen to that, and it's like, man does that take you yeah. back but yeah, yeah. It, it, it kind of meanders right there at the beginning but when it hits it hits you like a ton of bricks uh, uh, yeah. and I think that's yeah. really what a good opening song should do is kind yeah. of, kind I, I of like that intro in. yeah, the, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah the, intro the, the intro on the guitar that was me playing I, I really liked that mm-hmm. intro on the guitar it was fun yeah and it, it doesn't what
2: I think a, a good opening song does. You know, it really sets you up, yeah. gets you on the stage and then boom. And, and it, yeah. it, it does that. It's, it's a, it's a, one of my favorite songs from, from the band. Can't find the yeah. words for it anywhere. <laughs> but, uh, but, it, 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 I just love listening to it. I, I post it every once in a while on Facebook just, just because I, I, you know, yeah. I, I just have to kind of pull it out and it, it always impresses yeah.
1: me. Yeah, but, uh, you know, some of, some of my best work <clears throat> since I left the band, I've recorded two CDs that uh, I recorded at my home studio,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: one of them is one of them is uh, rock and roll called Eagle's Flight, and mm-hmm. Christian rock, and then uh, the other one is kind of more like country and ballad and that sort of thing. But uh-huh. uh, I sold them on the internet. I sold them on the internet for quite a while, and I'm right. uh, getting ready to do a new album. Um, and um, talking with Atlantic Records and so working with that one.
2: Oh, really? Uh, now, yeah. now when, you, no, when you started off, uh, you were one of the few, uh, one of the few white bands to be signed. In fact, I think you were the only all-white band that was signed by uh, uh, Stax Records. That's right. Uh, which, uh, which I find really impressive, anyway, because uh, because that was uh, basically where Atlantic got into R and B. Yep. And, and Atlantic was like one of the big uh one of the big uh, uh record companies but they 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 yeah. kind of got a jump on a lot of the other ones with the R&B because they actually worked with the black artists. Uh,
0: who who yep.
2: all was uh who was like uh, in the studio at the time you guys were uh you know working with uh, Stax. I I I find that really interesting too. Like, uh, uh
1: well uh there was Booker T uh and the MG's uh Duck Dunn and uh, uh, all those guys were in there working with us, and uh, Isaac uh was in there, and uh, uh, the the lead guitar player, uh, his name kind of slips in my mind. The lead guitar for Booker T and the MGs, um, Steve Cropper. Yeah, 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 Steve Cropper. Yeah, he, yeah, he was he, with he, the Blues really, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah he liked he liked us a lot. He was working with us in the studio also.
2: Well, you guys were doing more of a, a little bit more of an R and B thing, I guess, at the time. But uh, but you were definitely psychedelic. And, yeah, uh Yeah. And, and and it was really different from anything else that was going on over at Stax then. But 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 you, yeah. you did do some some R and B based stuff. I I love R and B. I I really do. It, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it, it's one of those roots that I keep going back to. You know, looking at the old swamp uh, swamp R and B yeah. stuff. You know. And yeah, it, and those guys are just incredible, Isaac Hayes and stuff. <laughs>
0: wow, yeah. Harvey, at what age were you when you were at the top with these? Uh, you know, the, you mentioned uh, the three uh, big-selling records. How old were you at that time?
1: Well, um, in uh, in Black Oak, uh, I was twenty-four when I left the band. Uh, I left the band and I left the band in June uh June the first of seventy four. And we had just finished a thirty day tour in Europe opening for with an opening band for Black Sabbath. And the group Steely Dan was there on off often on dates and the group called America was there often on different dates, but we played we opened every show for Black like Sabbath and that was that was really a trip that was my last 30 days back
0: this is um, yeah. this is like a tour through the some of the best of the 70s of um uh, of rock and rhythm and blues because all of the bands you're mentioning you know uh, I do remember from back in the day um Harvey what was it like for a person of 24 years old to be on the top like that like on reflection now as a person who's you know obviously matured a bit when you look back what what were some of the um pitfalls for a younger person let let's sort of that's kind of what i'm getting at like it's great to feel exuberant and be on top but looking back when you mature you also realize that there was pitfalls wasn't there
1: yes there was well uh after the after the tour in 71 when we were the opening band for iron butterfly um uh, we became a huge success because their style of music was on the way out, and our style of music was on the way in. And, yeah, and um, no, those were
2: the Mike Panera years too, weren't they?
1: Yes, uh huh. Mm. Mike Panera and uh, mm-hmm. uh ride. Guitar, ride. Yeah, yeah, blues image podcaster ride. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm in touch. Him, yeah, I'm in touch with him on Facebook. Yeah, and oh uh,
2: yeah, I heard he's a really nice guy.
1: Yeah, he's this still doing. He did all southern rock tour type thing with different rock mm-hmm. artists, that we joined together. Mm-hmm. But uh, after that thirty, after that, uh, actually, I had already given my notice to leave the band, and uh, the manager uh, asked me to do a thirty-day tour in Europe, um, and that's you know that's that was my last tour. But I was under a lot of. Um, Actually, it felt like I was being attacked—satanic attack—when I was in Europe, because the guys mm, knew this know, this that's... Was my last. Yeah, the guys knew that this was my last tour, and so we weren't really buddy buddy, and you know, I was more like felt like a hired musician or something. I kind of spent a lot of time alone, right, right. and I was going through a lot of depression. And uh, actually, I had already become a Christian like six months before this. Um, oh, okay.
2: That what led to that?
1: Yeah, and uh, I was uh, going through a lot of. I mean, we were rich and famous, and a lot of lot of drugs and alcohol, and but I was empty. I just felt like there was something more to life. And I remember the movie The Exorcist come out, and oh, we wow. had some time off. We were in a hotel somewhere, and probably on the ninth or tenth floor. Can't remember where, but. Something told me just not to go, and so I told the guys, I said, you know, they were all excited about going to see it, and I said, you know, I'm going to just stay here and play my guitar and write a song. And they thought that was a good idea, too, but they all went to see it except me, and I stayed there by myself. And I had a talk with God, you might say. I, I didn't really know how to pray, but I remember sitting on the side of the bed, and I just said, Okay, God, you know, if you're real, I want you to show me right now. And if you will show me that you're real, I'll leave this band or I'll do anything or I'll give you my life and go wherever you tell me to go. And at that moment, at that very moment, I felt someone pouring oil over my head. And it was real because I know what I felt. I know what I just asked for. And I felt it run down. I felt it run down my head and run down my shoulders, run down my chest and all the way out to my feet. And I felt oh. peace like i I felt peace like I'd never felt before it was it was amazing, yeah, and know, I'll, I'll never forget what i said i I, I said that's not bad <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah I think yeah, I was in shock, yeah. I was in shock <laughs> I knew what I just felt, yeah. and I, I felt total peace, I felt peace like I'd never felt before. And a few days after that, at one of our concerts, uh, this young lady made it backstage. Somehow, she made it back there without a pass because everybody had to have a pass on their shirt. All right, all right. Well, she didn't. She didn't have a pass because God can open doors that no one can shut. And I heard someone right. ask, Never. One, I, asked, I heard someone ask, "Which one's Harvey Jet?" And some someone said, "Well, he's over there tuning his guitar. They're really getting ready to go on stage." She comes over to me, and she says, are you Harvey Jett? I said, yeah. She said, well, you don't know me. She said, but God told me to tell you he heard your prayer and that he loves you, and he's going to show you the way. And <laughs> I, said, I, said, wow. I said, do what? And she repeated it. Wow. And she said, I'm going to be praying for you. And she said, all I know is God told me to come tell you that he heard your prayer. And I said, wow. And some of the other guys were standing around, and they were kind of freaked out. Because they didn't know I prayed, you <laughs> yeah. know. And yeah, so, I I,
0: they
1: were. Yeah, and so I, I got a Bible and started reading the Bible. And traveling down the highway one night in our bus, you know, I just accepted Jesus. And then all the partying stopped. Uh, I wasn't interested in partying anymore. I just stayed in my room and read the Bible. And I started writing gospel songs. And the first gospel song I wrote was on an airplane going to our compound in Arkansas and uh uh-huh. uh a song called Sweet Jesus and it's on it's on my C D uh Country mm-hmm. Living It's uh, two custom CDs that I record in Point Studio. I'm actually doing all the vocals on that one too, so mm-hmm. play, play No all no that
2: that's uh that that was not uh rock music though, was it?
1: That that first no, album that was, that
2: you recorded.
1: Uh which which album are you talking about?
2: The, your first one. Uh,
1: uh, you, you, you you wrote
2: uh, uh, really kind of strictly gospel music, didn't you? Oh,
1: on, on, the on, CDs? Mm-hmm. on the custom CD. On the custom CD. Well, the Eagle Flight is rock, and then the, the uh-huh. CD called the CD called Country Living. That's more of a country and ballad type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was doing a, I was doing a lot okay. of traveling and uh, doing a lot of traveling going to churches and uh, mm-hmm. I wanted a CD for the young people which was rock and then I wanted a CD right. for the older people. and that's the reason I recorded Country Living.
2: Oh okay. Okay. Uh, now uh, when you were uh, still in the band, didn't you play the California Jam? Yes,
1: the, the, there was like the Cali- 300- yeah. Yeah, three hundred fifty thousand, I think. Yeah,
2: yeah, and, and, uh, and I think had, you looked pretty much right after that, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, just a couple of months after that, uh, well, mm-hmm. now. Uh,
2: yeah, because I, I, I camp,
1: remember
2: it. Yeah. Well, well, the, the the California Jam was a really big deal. They they had it on a I think it was ABC. Um, yeah. They had the In Rock yeah. uh, program that back then. Uh, which right. was really a, a, An excellent uh, Concert show I, I liked it, it Better was, uh, than uh, the Don Kirshner
1: and, It was a uh, uh, Midnight it Special was, It too. was second Yeah It was second To Woodstock Actually For drawing right. that much People And Emerson, Lake and Palmer uh, Black Sabbath mm-hmm. uh, Earthland and Fire Deep Purple Eagles, Deep Purple And Rare mm-hmm. Earth And uh, Like Yeah Yeah, that was a three-day, three-day. It was a three-day event, actually.
2: Yeah. Now, didn't they do something with uh, uh, train cars uh, to to move the stage uh,
1: around? Yeah, we did a skit. It was like it was was a little skit that we were dressed up as villains, and Jim Dandy comes in in a a white cape, and he rescues Ruby Star, who we tied up on the tracks. Yeah, okay. it was a fun yeah I
2: remember that video that's hilarious <laughs> and, and, uh, and, I, and I was thinking that there, there was something like uh, because there were so many big bands that, that played that that California jam that they had the yeah. uh, they had uh, actual train cars that, that they would move uh, you know you'd set your equipment up on one and uh, the, band, the band that was playing would be on another and it, they'd yeah. move it off and they'd bring it, the uh, next one in it was, it was something like that. It was it was kind of complicated because it, it was such yeah. a it was such a huge bill for uh, what is it? It was three days and uh, all that. Yeah. I, I I I didn't have any chance of going. I was way too young and <laughs> way too poor, uh, and and it, it stuck here in the Midwest. But uh, but uh, but when it they, when we heard it was going to be a broadcast, it was like we were all real excited. You know, it was like wow, you know, because you know yeah. everybody on that bill was just incredible. You know, even Earth, Infinite, and Fire, you know, uh, like I say, you know, I love RB. And uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, a huge band. Never got to see them. But, but, uh, you know, back then I really wanted to see them. And uh, Deep Purple, you know, I. And and Ian Gillen had just left. Uh, I I guess this was uh, the first tour they did with uh, David Coverdale. Yeah. and, and it was a real big change in their sound, but uh, but I kind of like
1: yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know at the, at the California at the California Jam, I remember something that was really kind of cool. We yeah. uh, we felt bad for the people that were out there in the hot sun, and mm-hmm. we were trying to think of something we could do to help them. And mm-hmm. so we had these headbands. We had these headbands made up, you know, with some little stretch. Headband, works the sun visor. Huh? Right. And we had our, had our name on the front of it, like on Arkansas. And uh, we rented a couple of air rented a couple of airplanes and flew over the crowd and dumped out south right. headbands. Yeah. That's dunped right. I forgot
2: about that.
1: Headbands. Yeah, people see. Oh, there's a guy here that's close to me. Lives about thirty miles. I mean, he's actually got one of them. <laughs> I wow. talked to him one day. I said, would you sell it? He said, no, I wouldn't sell it. I I said, will you just give it to me? He said, said, no, I won't give it to you either. (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, you know, proud possession there.
1: Yeah, but when we came on stage, we dumped them before we came on stage. And Uh, so when people saw us come on stage, the crowd went wild because we had already dumped those sun visors. So there wasn't enough to go around. I think we dumped out 15,000 of them. That they were like yeah. birds. and they, we saw the people running to catch them. You know, and it was pretty <laughs> amazing. Oh man!
2: Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that, but yeah, yeah, it, and they they showed that on the on the film of that. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah it was, it, it, it was it, something. To, yeah, it was something to give back to the people, you know, and help right. them out it was a of the hot sun. Because there were people that was. Uh, having heat stroke, and, you know, it was such a big crowd that it was, you know, they they were having a hard time with the heat. You know, that
2: was one of the things about Black Oak, you know, is that there was always this idea of giving back to the people. Yeah. And and that really really was a uh, a very endearing thing, you know. Uh, And and, and you mentioned the compound. Uh, That was kind of almost a commune, wasn't it?
1: That you guys you know, used uh, to live on? Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> we bought a, uh, a. It was a fishing lodge with ten cabins and a semi-circle. It had a big swimming pool in the front yard, which it needed to be redone. Uh, but we had a twenty-foot fence built around it, and it was right there on the lake, uh, Oakland in Oakland, Arkansas. That's kind of funny. There we were at black oak, and we settled in Oakland.
2: In <laughs> Oakland, Oakland.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was always a nice place to go to retreat after coming off the road, and it was you know, we had a lot of a lot of good memories there.
2: Well, well, I, I remember when I bought a, I bought my uh, first copy of one of your albums. It was rock and roll, of course, uh, it, but you had yeah. inside a, a deed to one cubic inch of uh, of land from yeah. there, uh, which, yeah, which I, we we all were yeah. like, wow, that is way so cool. And uh, I, I got friends yeah. that still have those. They hang them on their walls in their apartments or houses and stuff.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. I lost that, mine a long that time a, ago. <laughs> yeah. That was a legal deed, actually. That was legal. That was legal deed. I mean, that one square inch yeah. was legal. You could complain it.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, the language was all legalese too. It was really funny.
1: But but yeah,
2: yeah. I I was told that that, that was a a valid uh, deed actually. And, and you, you yeah. get, did you uh, get people that actually showed up with those uh, dropping in?
1: Well, uh, everybody just wanted to kind of keep it as a novelty. Uh, but we bought, we bought one acre we bought one acre of land and had it split yeah. up into square inches, so we could give people a piece of heaven on earth.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, it yeah. says that on there. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, the, yeah, that you know, that that's one of those things that you know I'll never forget. Uh, uh, yeah. I had a I had a couple of those actually. I think I think, he's, I think yeah. uh, they were put in just about every one of your albums uh, that came out before that too. I, I think I think it came out in my my uh, original one of uh, the first Black Oak <laughs> album uh, with uh, Lord have mercy on my soul. On it. Yeah. Uh, did you play the organ yeah,
1: on that I'll... song? Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was yeah. always a neat tune. I, I, I was so yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it, uh... I
0: wrote the music mm-hmm. You're listening to Like Flint Radio, and we're talking to Harvey Jett, previously of um, Black Oak, Arkansas. Um, Harvey, um, a, a question for you to carry on what we were talking about a little bit earlier um how did your bandmates respond to you becoming a a believer um like i imagine you know in being an integral part of the band it would have been a bit of a shock uh perhaps they you know they they wouldn't want to you know i don't know how how else to put it but you know let you go with god because they'd probably want to keep you you know on their team so to speak how did they handle that
1: well they didn't really understand it that well uh you know we were at the top uh world. And it was, to them, it was a bad time for me to get
0: yeah, I could party
1: anymore. I didn't party anymore. And I really wasn't, uh, I just, you know, I lost, I lost the heart and the direction. You know, once we were making 25 and 30 grand a night, which was big money back in the 70s, um, it was, the money started to become a major issue with us. They were not, they didn't understand. They they tried to get me to stay in the band and keep a religion, but I tried to explain to them that I had to make a choice and that I was going to eventually have to leave. And they didn't believe me. And they, at one point, they even offered to, on Sundays, that they would pull up to a church and they would wait on the bus while I would go into church. I thought that was funny, but uh, I didn't accept their offer. <laughs> right. Well, well they, but, I think yeah.
2: it sounds like they were trying to actually make a compromise with you.
1: That, but, yeah.
2: But the the whole lifestyle thing it was probably that big of an issue, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, we were the epitome of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, we had both. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Hot and Nasty and some of Jim Dandy's stage performances. Yeah, but, how, you know, uh, kind of, yeah, it was, uh, it was something that, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stay in that sort of atmosphere and be, you know, a Christian also, and so I, I had to make a choice, and so June the 1st, 1974, that was, I drove out those big 20-foot gates, and that was, that was, that was was, was the first time I heard the audible voice of God, um, as we were driving out the gate, yeah, and as we were driving out the gates, uh, um, one of the equipment men, we were taking a U-Haul, by, a U-Haul truck back to Memphis, and he was going to drop me off at my grandparents. And I remember uh, some of the guys showed up to say goodbye, and some of them didn't because they were kind of mad at me. But as I started to look out the window to wave goodbye, I heard a voice with my ears, an audible voice. Uh-huh. And it said, "Don't look." And it said, "Don't look back." Uh-huh. And it kind of shocked me because I knew it wasn't the little Dave. That was he was the driver. I knew it wasn't his voice, but I actually heard it with my ears. And it said, "It said, don't look back." And so I didn't look out the window to wave. I just looked straight ahead, and uh-huh. it was it was the voice of God, no doubt.
0: I I, I don't know much about your later music, um, Harvey, but. Have you ever wrote a song with that title in it? Because, I mean, that would be so fitting, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, I have. Re- yeah, I have written a song called Don't Look Back.
0: I guessed it. There you go. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's oh, gonna well, be on. yeah. It's going yeah, to be on my new album.
0: Oh, okay. So oh, it hasn't okay. it, has been yeah. released yet, then?
1: No, it hasn't been released. Oh, that's and great. I'm working on a new album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm working on that, mm-hmm. one and I'm writing a book also, doing a book. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, you mentioned something about that when we were talking a few days ago.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm working with uh, Ken Abraham. Uh, he's a uh, 15-Times New York Times bestseller, and I uh, came in contact with him a few months ago, and he was very excited about working with me. And so he's a well, ghostwriter. He yeah. Well, well, if things can, don't
2: work out, let me know. I'm a writer, too.
1: <laughs> great.
2: But uh, but hey, you know, I I'd, I'd I'd love to see it. I really would.
1: Yeah, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get you to write something in the forward, you know.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that, well I would I would I would be honored.
1: That would be uh, great. truly.
0: Well, well, I was going to say I don't know if you've. I suppose you probably have told Harvey Cliff that Black Oak, Arkansas, was your first concert, wasn't it? As a as yeah, a it was my first fellow. concert. Yeah.
2: Yeah, with a. Uh, with, with uh, uh king crimson uh second on the bill and uh the straws uh yeah opened up. cool it it you you, you know the straws mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah well the Straubs, well, well they, they were pretty big down in uh down in oz weren't they yeah
0: straws had a pretty big impact with a couple of big singles down here and in new zealand um so um yeah most people would have heard of them um Harvey, uh, shortly after that, mo- moving on after you 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 left the compound, um, what happened after that? Where did you go from there? Uh, as far as um, you know, your Christianity goes, and and what happened with the music and and even ministry? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
1: Well, I really didn't. I really didn't know what I was going to do for a job because I really didn't have an education, a quick school, or the ninth grade, so I could play music. And when I left the band, I had no idea what I was going to do for a living. And so I was invited to do a a church concert. And some of the guys that I was playing with was in a band called New Life. And uh, they looked like hippies. They had long hair, but but they were Christian. And they turned to me at one time during the concert. And I was just a standing guitar player because their guitar player didn't show up that night, and they knew I was in the audience, and they asked me to come up and join them. And uh, we p- we played and sounded great with no rehearsal. It was amazing. Uh, I just fell right in. And at one point they turned to me and they said, Harvey, why don't you tell your testimony? I didn't even know what they meant. I said, What do you mean? They said, Well, just tell your story. You know, <laughs> yeah. why did why did you leave? Why did you leave the band? I said, well, okay. So mm-hmm. I started telling the story. And it was it was a big explosion. At the altar time, you know, the altar filled uh-huh. up with, uh, with kids that had been on drugs and alcohol, and real problem kids. And I saw the altar fill up with these kids, and a light bulb just went off in my head. And I said, okay, okay, God, I know what you want me to do now. And so for 13 years, I started traveling and going to... Concerts, doing the uh, churches. Uh, at that time, you could still go into schools and colleges, and I've done prisons in eight states, from New York to Florida. Wow! And um, yeah. yeah, and most of the, most of the guys in prison don't know about Black Blacko. That's part of the lifestyle, I've got 'em. Right. And uh, I traveled right, for thirteen because... years. Yeah, yeah, I traveled for thirteen years doing that. And then uh, um, now I'm just working in the local church. I've been the lead guitar player there for like 22 years. But the Lord is speaking to my heart about going back on the road. Uh, I've been turning down offers for quite a while, but now it's time to go back out because I, I believe that we're living in those days. And we need to get everybody in that wants to get in.
2: Well, yeah, you have a message that a lot of people, I think, are ready to listen to. Uh Yeah. You know, the, you you you've been through it. You've been there. Yeah. You you've seen things that that I could only imagine. You know? Yeah. And, and and I've been places where a lot of people could only imagine. Myself. I, yeah. And I've traveled quite a bit myself. But, yeah. Even you, like, you know you know those people. You know Black Sabbath. You know yeah. Those guys. yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, you know it, it was a, it was a ripping. It was a ripping apart when I had to leave the band. Um, I relate it to Jesus praying in the garden. When when Jesus prayed in the garden and he he was asking his father, is there any other way we can do this? And the father said, no, this is what you've got to do. I remember laying on the bathroom floor in a hotel somewhere, just curled up like a baby and crying. I was crying out to God. God, isn't there any other way that we can do this? Do I have to leave the band? And God spoke to me and he said, my son, he said, do you have to leave? He said, but before you leave, I want you to tell each one of them in private what I've done for you. And he said, then I'll let you leave. And I really didn't, you know, I built seven years of rock and roll and we were on the top and I knew that we could have a great future in rock and roll but I knew that it wasn't my destiny after I had become a Christian. I knew that I had to go tell the message of the gospel and but I remember lying on the floor crying, and it was like I was being ripped down the middle and it was a few months after that that i finally finally left the band. Oh, I could
0: only
2: imagine. And you guys were really thick, right? you know, mm-hmm.
1: I, you guys did everything together for years, you yeah, know, I yeah. remember yeah. reading that. And yeah, yeah I, I had a strong love for all the brothers, and it was like my family, Right. and I really, I wanted it to be another way, but seeing the direction that we were going, you know, the Sex Drugs and Rock and Roll image, mean, I knew that I could be right. a Christian in that type of band.
2: Well, yeah, you can smell the testosterone. You know, <laughs> you really could. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, you guys, you guys were the epitome of it. And, uh, yeah. Then Jim
1: Dandy, uh, he still talks the yeah. same stuff. Uh, yeah.
2: how, how do you get along with the guys now?
1: Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I just talked to I just talked to Pat, uh, the bass player. Pat Darty. He lives in Memphis. He's not with the band anymore. He did join them on the new album that they recorded uh, back there and Over Yonder. And, right. Uh, there was
2: a bit of a reunion in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Atlantic, uh, Atlantic Records asked me to join the band, and I told them to give me some time to think about it, which, to me, I meant pray about it. So after praying about it, uh, God spoke to me, and he said, you can go if you want to. He said, but I'll take away your gift, your anointing. Oh, really? I mean... Yeah, when I play guitar uh. in church, I play better than mm-hmm. I've ever played before, and I wouldn't take anything for that. I can feel God playing through my guitar. It's like right. I'm playing to God's self. So I well, had to that was an issue ready. when
2: you first quit, wasn't it? That, that you, I'm you sorry? were retaining that, that, that you were kind of holding on to that, that idea that, you know, that when you played, that there was this other thing, you know, that you're playing for yourself yeah. as opposed to the end. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that was an issue, wasn't
1: it, when you first quit? Well, it was an issue because I had to play several concerts after I had become a Christian. And so I would have to go on stage and go through those songs that I felt bad about. And I felt... Um, like there was something telling me, go ahead and jump in there and be yourself and go ahead right. and, you know, be a rock and roll star. And uh-huh. then something else telling me, you know, just to hold back because that's not me anymore. And uh, I've had people. So is it was an identity issue. Yeah, I've had people say to me at, uh, since I've been out of the band, I've had people come up and say to me that they were at a concert and they could, they noticed that I was standing back there. Not really getting involved. I was just playing my guitar parts, but I really wasn't putting on a show. And they said that it made them wonder what was wrong, and so they figured it out. You know, said uh, I had become a Christian, and I really couldn't into the rock and roll image of right. what we were doing.
2: But but yeah, it, that, that's that. But that was answered too, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, after I, you know, after I left the band, um, I started, you know, recording for my own, and, you know, I, I play better now. I can't wait to do this new album. Of course, the, the two custom albums that I've got, is some of my best playing that I've ever done, but this next one will be better than those, and I, I can't wait to get started. And so the, that third album,
2: how, how soon is that coming out now?
1: Well, uh... I'm uh, working on it now, getting the list of the songs with your girl that I want to do. I'm going to do a couple of cover tunes. Um, I want to do Tom Petty's uh, Don't Back Down. I love that song. Actually, you wouldn't really have to change any of the lyrics. Uh, the only lyrics that I would change was when he sings in the chorus, Hey, baby, there, there's Brad. an easy way out. Hey, baby. You know. I changed the lyrics to "Hey Jesus, you made an easy way out," <laughs> and I won't kay. back down. And also another mm-hmm. song, uh, "People Get Ready." Oh, okay. Uh, Curtis, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, Curtis Mayfield.
1: Uh, yeah, Rod Stewart has done it, and many others have mm-hmm. done it. Uh, People get oh, that's ready. It's song. Just, and the the lead guitar on that can just really, really go crazy. You want to jump? So blues, a
2: Jeff Beck did it for uh, 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 Rod Stewart. That's a fantastic that's right. lick that's that he right. does on it. Oh yeah, it's a ribbit yeah. song anyway. Yeah. Beautiful, and I, I think
1: it. I think it would be a hit. I think it would actually be a hit. And so that's one of the songs I want to. I'm planning to do, on my new album. But yeah, the rest of them song. are. Yeah, the rest of them are written by me, and. I've got many, many songs that I've written since I've been out of the band.
0: You know, um, you mentioned you thinking of taking it, going back onto the road. Uh, Harvey, would it be to tour this album? or?
1: Yes, it would be to tour, uh, to promote the album and book mm. also. And uh, that's why Atlantic Records is interested in it, because they feel like it would be yeah. a big success. yeah And they've actually, now, Atlantic Records has got several Christian groups that are very big. Uh, Gillette and uh, you know several other bands that are signed with it, Atlantic Records, right. um, so they're they're really interested in working with me. Uh, but we're we're working on it right that now. Fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's excellent.
0: That, that sounds good. Um, yeah. Just a bit of a uh, out there question, Harvey. And I like to ask other musicians because I, I I've been in a band myself back in the day. You know, nothing like what you've done, obviously, but. But um what do you think um of Christian music as entertainment as purely as entertainment? is it okay? is it a, something we we can um uh, can and and or should promote what what are your thoughts? Because see you're someone who's been there you've seen both sides um as a you know a secular artist and a Christian artist, so um you'd be someone that would probably be able to answer that question
1: well, <clears throat> I see some of the bands that are doing it for entertainment, and then I see some of the bands that are doing it for ministry. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with being entertained. Uh, You know, the lyrics to... I I actually borrowed some of the lyrics from a song Larry Norman I came out with. Uh, In my song, it's uh, called Spirit Warrior, and uh, it says... Uh, why should the devil have all the good music? I've got a guitar and I'm going to use right, it. Right, the Lord, the Lord, Lord save me, save my guitar too. Now I'm going to let my guitar sing for you, and then I take off on the lead. <laughs> there, there is a yeah. entertainment, the part of being, you know, Christian music. Uh, but each group will have to just, you know, answer for themselves what they're, what's in their heart, and what, what is their motive. But I see both. I see just the entertainment. And I see pure ministry also. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I was just thinking that, uh, you know, uh, Harvey just tell us what's going on today with him and, uh, you know, anything he wants to add himself.
1: Well, uh, I'm looking forward to sharing my new songs, Mm. sharing my new album, and I'm looking forward to sharing my book or my story. There's many, many stories that will be in the book about my life with the band and the 30 years after the band are actually the most exciting stories to me. I've had experiences with uh, demons. I've had experiences with angels. Uh, Some pretty miraculous things have happened in my life in the last 30 years. And I can't wait for people to hear them in song and in a book.
0: Having been coming from that background and being involved that sort of stuff and coming out of it, I'm sure there'll be some um, amazing stories, but uh about the music side of things but you know the the changes in your life since you became a believer will be probably even be more amazing um is there anything you want to particularly share any events that did happen harvey that we can finish on like um
1: yeah there's one short story i'd like to share uh after i left the band i uh i love i love motorcycles and we had a band rule not to uh ride motorcycles because they were so dangerous so it was it was against the band rules to own a motorcycle so after I left the band I was at a a cookout one day and this kid rides up on a dirt bike and immediately I just said hey can I ride your bike and he knew who I was because they were having a party kind of in my honor and he said sure so I get on the bike and I go down the road, <clears throat> it was in the country, it was curvy, paved roads, and uh, the headlight, it was almost dark, so the headlight was a little bit low, and so out of the bikes, you can just reach down and kind of pull them up, you can see a little bit further. So I could go a little bit around the curves, and as I was pulling the headlight up, I went off the road, and I was unconscious for 45 minutes. And they were they were looking for me. They were driving up and down the road. But since they couldn't see me, they kept passing by. And I was unconscious. And I remember when I woke up, it's a miracle. It had to be an angel of God because when I woke up, I was straddled the bike. And I remember the first thing I saw was the moon how beautiful it was. And I remember saying to myself, wow, such a beautiful night. And and then I looked down and I saw that I was straddled upright on a motorcycle. And it looked like it was demolished. It was total. And I remember saying to myself, wow, I'm on a motorcycle. And I heard a voice start it. So I got the kick and I kicked it one time and it started. And I put it in gear and I went out to the road and I heard another voice say, turn right. And I turned right and that's when I met them in the headlights. They saw me coming back to the house and I got back to the house and they were all freaking out and they, they laid me down. I had concussion, I uh, had ribs broken, I uh, had broken my thumb. And I was bleeding pretty bad, and they laid me on the ground, covered me with a covered me with a blanket, and took me to the emergency room. And the guy that took me to the emergency room blew his truck up. A state pr- trooper pulled us over, and he said, I've got a rock star here. And he's, he's almost dead. And he said, the state trooper said, put him in my car, and I'll take him. And so they put me in the state trooper car, and he turned his lights and siren on got me to the hospital and I spent a couple of weeks in the hospital and but the miracle part about it is that when I came through I was straddled a bike upright and it, there's no reason it should have run. It was totally right. and I started that bike
0: right. first kid
1: it started. That's just that's just one of the stories that God has delivered me. So many, many yes. times God has delivered me miraculously. I believe that was the one <coughs> so time. me.
2: Yeah, well, I know a lot of bikers that have stories about being carried, you know, while they're flying off the bike in an accident. Uh, things like this. Uh, it's just, just, just amazing. And... uh
0: Wow. Uh, Something to look forward to in your book, Harvey. Thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, Thanks for sharing your time with us and sharing a bit of your testimony as well. And um, we really appreciate you taking the time and giving us the time. Uh, I think, um, you know, I'm pretty amazed about um, uh, some of the stuff you've spoken about. And I certainly look forward to reading your book when it comes out. So, thanks for coming on Like Flint Radio, Harvey Jack.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy.
2: Well, yeah, it was great to have you, man. I, I, I've
1: I've always wanted to talk to you. That's great. So like, I, wow, I, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad to be able to call you friends, and I'm sure that we'll have some, uh, some good times in the future.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yep, we need to stick together, and as Christians and as brothers, we need to look after each other, but um, I'm rambling a bit because its uh, I'll let you guys know it's 3.20 in the a.m. for me, so I'm <laughs> happy.
2: Yeah, 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 it's really cool. All
0: righty, well, we'll leave it well, there then. God bless you. Yeah, God bless, Harvey. Thanks for your time, man. Appreciate that. Yeah.
1: God bless. All right. Yeah, God bless.
0: Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Yep,
1: yeah. you
0: too.